grab your seat. God bless you guys. Uh, Tim, welcome to the not-so-sunny coast. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I was expecting a, a bit more nicer weather. I've heard yes, everyone yes. Sorry tell about me that. how good it is. Like, you get reminded a lot about, of the Queenslanders in our team about how good Queensland is and how it's you know beautiful one day, perfect the next, or whatever yes, they say. Yes, but, yes. We need the rain. That's what yeah. we're going for right now. We need the rain. Really, thank you for coming here with us. It's, Thanks, it's awesome me. to be here. So good just, to be here. Just for those who maybe don't know your story, and uh, there are probably a few people who, are, who aren't sports lovers in the house, and so let's, let's, let's start with something everyone connect to. You got married a few years ago to a yes. beautiful girl. I think we've got a photo of her. Yes. Uh, Steph. Uh, there she is up behind. There she look, is. Wow, look, look at that us. head of hair I had. Come on, mate. Looking good. Looking that was only good. last week. <laughs> <laughs> you had hair, uh, no beard. You've swapped it around. Yeah, I know. I swapped it around. <laughs> Go on the reverse. Uh, yes. So you got married what year? So it's Stefani. We got married. That's a good question. Uh, 2013. 2013. No. No. <laughs> we met in 2013. We got you married. met in 2013. 2014, we got married. Okay. So Where we, did you we meet? Around. Where did you meet? Um, she is from South Africa. Yes. Um, she came to Hillsong College to study. Yes. And, um, you met her at church. I met her at church. Yeah. That's a big promotion there for all the go, single guys, guys out there. Come to church. There. You never know Hang what around. might happen, right? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Fantastic. And you got a, a little bubby born this year, is that right? Yeah, so she was born in March. Yes. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah, Capri Rose. And, yep. um, yeah, she's up here with us as well at the moment. They're, they're both at staying at Noosa tonight, so... They wish they could be here, but she's um she's in bed and all good. Yeah, all good. Fantastic. Now you've come fresh off the back of the World Cup, which is a, a, the World Cup of Rugby League after the end of the season, representing Lebanon. You guys actually did really awesome. Tell, tell us about that. What was that experience like? Yeah, um, I, I got a phone call from um, Robbie Farrow, who plays at the moment for South Sydney at yep. the start of the year, um, and he kind of hit me up with a proposal about playing for Lebanon. And at the start, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't over the moon or too excited about it. I really wanted to have a good break at the end right. of the season. Yep. Uh, but he said, you know, it's really encouraging if we get all the NRL players to play and really just promote the game in, in back in Lebanon and, and really just have a good crack. And, um, you know, I'm so happy I did because it was, it was one of the best experiences I've had. You know, um, the, the five weeks, six weeks we spent together was really special. Um, we had Brad Fieler coaching us, who's now the New South Wales origin coach. Uh, um, and he, he created well, a really Yeah, what was good, he like as a coach? It was incredible. He was, he was, I was trying to say a bit back before that he's, um, he's very different. Yeah. Um, he's a bit quirky, but, um, you know, it worked. Like he, he got a bunch of, you know, 80% or 90% of our team were just part time footy players. Right. Who, you know, work on a job site all day and train two nights a week. Yeah. And they really competed. They, they did well against, totally. you know, England and Australia and yep. Tonga and some of the, the big nations that had, were full of professional athletes. So they did a really good job and I really enjoyed the whole experience. Well done, man. That's good. Now, okay, for the New South Wales supporter out there, is he the man to break the drought for New South Wales? Oh, it's, a, it's a different crowd than what I'm used to. I'm so used to. <laughs> there's actually so a, lot more, to, there's uh, a lot of supporters yeah. out there. There's a bit of love for you. Whenever you say like a Queensland joke, you know, it always comes back with great response. So I'm going to be careful there. So <laughs> um, I, honestly, I, I think he's the obvious choice for us um, you know the, the guys who were in contention you know I don't think anyone was even close to him so I'm really glad he got the job and I've got a feeling that um, you know we're in really good hands fantastic now here's a question I'm always curious about that did you watch all the other games that you didn't play in during the World Cup how, how much footy do you watch when you're not playing um, yeah I, I don't like to admit it but I don't watch too much yeah right <laughs> um, you know so if I play for Parramatta and we play on a on a Friday night or a Thursday night, you know, I wouldn't mind watching some games over the weekend. Yep. Um, but if I play on a Sunday, 
you know, my weekend, I was trying to stay away from footy. Just, yep. to, I don't really switch like overthinking. Yeah, just like switch off. But um, so yeah, did you I did. Game last uh, night, for example, the World which Cup. Which one? Yeah, I watched the Green Point last night. I thought England did a great job. Uh, they did. They really competed. Uh, very competitive. It was there to be one. So I, I do enjoy watching games, but um, during the World Cup, I didn't watch too many. Yeah, yeah. right. Fantastic. All right. Well, you've played. Um, over 200 games for the Parramatta Eels, which is an outstanding achievement at the the top level of football. Did you always want to play footy? Um, yeah, I did. I, to be honest, I played soccer when I was a kid, wow. um, from eight to 12, and I quickly realised that my body was probably a bit more suited to <laughs> <laughs> rugby league. So um, I made the switch as a 13-year-old, and um, you know, I, lo- I loved playing. Um, you know, just you know, our family kind of grew up massive rugby league fans, and we really enjoyed it. Um, and then, you know, as I remember telling myself, my mum kept asking, you know, how long am I going to play for? And I thought, if I get to 18 and, you know, I'd know there's no future there, I'll, I'll stop playing. But if I can smell a bit of a future, I'm going to stay. And um, I got picked up by Parramatta as like a 15 year old. And, wow. you know, the rest is history. Kind of just went through the grades at the club. And yep. yeah, here I am. Wow. So it wasn't necessarily your dream to play NRL football as a kid? Um, I, I guess it was always, the, you know, it was a dream. Um, I probably didn't think it was achievable because, you know, one, I wasn't playing for you as a youngster, like you know, I was playing right. soccer and um, my parents weren't huge fans of the sports. Um, and then once I made the switch over to league, um, I, I knew I had a gift and a talent and I just wanted to make sure I pursued it and try my best at it. That's fantastic. Well, well talk to us, because we've got some aspiring athletes out here. We've got guys who are picked up by the storm and developing and others in different oh, sports, nice. soccer, NRL, etc. Give them a few thoughts. Okay, how they, if their goal and dream is to play, whether it's that or, like I said, we've got some aspiring Olympians and different ones here. Give us some thoughts about uh, success in professional sport. Yeah, okay. Um, for me personally, what well, what got me to, to, I guess, the professional sporting world is um, consistency mm-hmm. and hard work. So, you know, I'm, I'm best friends with Jared Hayne. I can see Hayne jersey over there. Um, <laughs> you know, his story and my story, you know, very different. You know, he's someone who was just naturally talented and right. gifted and probably didn't have to work as hard as everyone else to kind of get to where he was. Um, whereas my story is, you know, growing up, there was so many more people more talented than I was, but I had to rely on hard work to get to where I was. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I had to consistent, be consistently good and, you know, I've... You know, pastor of the church I'm at always says consistency opens doors, and I, and I believe it. Um, you know, in sport and life. So, you know, I, I reckon if you guys are aspiring athletes, you know, consistency really does open doors. Um, and the other thing that you know is, is works for both you know sport and life is um, choices. Um, you know, I, I always say that as a 15 year old coming through the grades, um, I made some really big choices in my life of the man I wanted to be, uh, which helped me become the athlete I wanted to be as well. So things like um, you know, not touching drugs and, and not getting drunk and not, you know, having sex before I got married. All those big decisions I made as a 15-year-old, awesome. they really helped set me up to become the person and player I ended up becoming. Um, so if you're an aspiring athlete out there... That's awesome. Yeah. Consistency, good choices, brilliant. Uh, how much would you have trained as a, you know, as a teenager coming, you know, coming through? How often would you have trained? Yeah, um, as, as a youngster, I did a lot of my own, so, you know... At Parramatta, we're probably doing three days a week together as, as in juniors, but I made sure you know I was doing the five or six days a week. So the extra time on my own is what really helped. And I still remember, and I still do it every, every Christmas day. I go for a run. Um, I just used to like having that edge as a youngster, knowing that everyone else was 
switching off and being lazy for the day, and I was getting a bit of a head start, a bit, awesome. yeah, a bit of an edge. So Awesome. That's the mindset. I love it. Well done. Well done. Let's go. Your first year was 2009. You were, How old were you when you first year? I just turned 21. Just turned 21. Fantastic. I think we've got your first try, mate, that you scored that year. Let's have a, let's have a look at it up here. That's awesome. First game, well not first game, first try. Yep. How'd that feel? Yeah, that was, a, that was a special night. It's still one of my favourite games, that one. It was the finals, right? Yeah, so that was to get into the grand final. Um, and yeah, in my first year, it was a pretty special night. And all my family go for the Bulldogs, so it was actually nice to get that. Oh, out no. So, so they haven't actually crossed over, even nah, though, nah, really? So they still ask for tickets to Dogs games, and they come in their jerseys, and the Bulldogs jerseys. And, oh, so, no. Yeah. Stop that. Stop that. Yeah. There we go. Well, 2009, you played Storm in the grand final, yep. and they later got stripped of that win. Do you, do you yeah. think of yourself as a premiership as a premiership oh, winner? No, nah, not really, mate. We, um, yeah, we got in trouble with Saturday Cup stuff last year, and, you know, it's, <laughs> it's all, yeah, I guess it's, at the end of the day, they deserved it. They won, the, they won it. You know, we, we, had, we were at the Saturday Cup. We got two wooden spoons, so right. um, you still got to work pretty hard You're not going to gonna throw stones, are you? No, nah, no. Nah, <laughs> That's nah, smart. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Okay, so over time, we've got some Paramount fans in the house. They want to know, so you made the finals last year. You've got your best mate, Jared Hayne, coming back. Yep. How are you going to go next year, do you reckon? I'm excited. I'm really excited about what we have. Um, you know, i also got to keep a lid on it because obviously, um, you know, we won't tell anyone, it's still mate. very early days. We won't tell anyone. <laughs> But, you know, it's, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. Have a look at our team and see the potential there. Um, you know, the, the, the quality is, is something that we haven't had at the club for a very long time. Um, we came close this year. You know, we, we lost our first semi-final in Melbourne by two points. Um, That's right. And they ended up going on to win it. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're not far off, um, but we'll see how we go. There we go. Fantastic. I reckon you're a pretty good shot. Any yeah. Eels supporters think you might be in with a chance? Okay, there's five uh, not so vocal fans, but that's okay. That's all right. What about the Broncos? How are they going to go? <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. We're family. We're family. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got some friends there as well. Um, we had a we had a good running into the Broncos. I think we had our biggest win this year. Yeah, you, you the Broncos, do. You so. nail the Broncos. Just in case I forgot. But. <laughs> good comeback. Yeah. Good, good comeback. Well done. Well done. Okay. Uh, tell me, tell me then, in, in the sense of a couple of career highlights for you. What would looking back now? What yep. are some things that you've really stand out for? And you've still got plenty of time. But yep. what, what would um, be some? Of well, this you point? know, that night stands out as one of my favourite nights. Yep. You know, it was just a special night because um, you know. Obviously, it was my first try, but playing against the Dogs, getting to the grand final. There's just so much that happened that night. It was really special. Uh, I still remember when they sold tickets, because both teams have huge supporter bases. So when they sold tickets, they asked who you went for. And we came out of the tunnel, and all once I was blue and white, all once I was blue and gold, and the whole game, the atmosphere was just, you know, you could just feel it. And it was, awesome. It was a pretty special game, that. Um, and obviously, my State of Origin games, were, you know, especially my first one, was a really special occasion. Totally, and, um, yeah. You, know, you, you talk about, as a kid, you know, coming through and you're, Hard work and your aspirations, and that was definitely a dream of mine to you know play Origin Footy. And Absolutely, it was a great experience as well. Well done, well done. I mean, that's that's the pinnacle. That's a great achievement to play at that level. Is it that much different than a normal game? Put, put that photo yeah, back up. It's, people it's definitely see. different. It's um, it's fast. It's just you, know, you kind of blink your eyes, and you know, it's twenty minutes of going. Like it's it's hard, but it's just the game goes so quick. And yeah. one of the best tips I got before the game was don't let the game slip you by because it does go quick. Right. And I was coming from a past play. Obviously, knew that. You know, if you just kind of, 
you know, let the, let the game go by, you end up finding you're not involved, so you just got to thrust yourself into it. Um, you know, we, we had a good campaign in my second season, the second year we, we came close to winning it, but the, you know, the Queenslanders were too good. That's a, what, do you, what do you reckon that is? Is that just that they've got the better players or is the team spirit the real thing? Uh, I think I think the culture they have there is the, is the winner. Yeah, so obviously, you know, the playing group's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you look at the, the Melbourne culture that, you know, obviously the, the big three kind of set, yeah. and you kind of see that similar kind of culture in that Queensland camp. Yeah. Um, you know, they're winners and they know how to win. And, you know, I'll talk about how many series, like even this year, you know, like the, it was slipping out of their hands game too, and they just found a way to win. And then, you know, within seconds, they've gone from a team that was about to lose a series to favourites to win the thing Crazy. easily, and they did it. Crazy, isn't it? So now you're a prop, right? So for those who don't know, this basically your job is to get the ball and to run as hard as you can <laughs> into guys about ball. 120 kilos who just want to smash the out of you, okay? Um, do you, did, you, did you ever get scared? No, I don't get scared, but um, this head's had a few knocks, you know. <laughs> What's your worst injury? Uh, um, my worst injury... I broke my jaw one year, and it was it wasn't worse as in painful. It was worse as in depressing me because I used to wake up. I was wired shut for eight weeks, oh. so I couldn't I couldn't eat any food. So I was like, oh, I'm the straw. So you I would forget every every morning. I'd wake up and I'd forget that I can't eat, and then it kind of hits you. And you're like, oh, and just the, the, just so depressing. No way. Um, but so that's probably my worst one. Um, I don't know. I've, I've had not would have had a pretty lucky career yeah. in terms of injuries. Um, but my eyebrows, they're they're, they're big. <laughs> um, but they're lucky because if they weren't big, there'd be nothing less left of them because I've split them that many times. I reckon I've done each side about 20 times. Is that right? Split up. your eyebrows. Yeah. Just so, head clashes and Yeah, and... I think I've got a sharp bone back there, but then whenever it gets hit, it just splits open. And, and I thought it was like more of a fashion statement. You go for that sort of cut. <laughs> yeah, the, the slits, the yeah, yeah. The whole look. A few speed lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so wh- who's the hardest hitter that you've ever run into? Oh, um... Hardest hit up. They're usually the smaller guys. So everyone, okay. everyone thinks it's the big guys, but the yeah. smaller guys, because they have to get through so much of their life with good technique. Right. They're the ones that you're usually more worried about. Um, right. There used to be a player called Nigel Plummer. He used to play for Penrith, and he was unbelievable. His technique used to just jam me every time. Wow. Um, but the hardest to tackle at the moment is Tom Lolo. I've, ne- I've never played a player like him, and he's, he's on a whole other level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there we go. Awesome. Hey, now, you became the captain of the Eels in 2013, is that right? Yep. And it was a pretty tumultuous year for your team. The coach got sacked, half the players got sacked. Yep. Uh, you went on to win a number of awards for clubmen and team, for team spirit. Um, in terms of that. And we've got, we've got a little bit of footage of you, uh, giving some sort of pre-match, um, talk to your players just to see you in a leadership zone. Cause I want to talk leadership in a moment. Yeah. So let's have a look at that. <laughs> very cool. All right. You're a very well respected leader. Give us some thoughts about leadership, especially like that year was a massive, you know, challenging year for your club, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that year was a challenging year, for, and I, I did a lot of growing that year as well in terms of my own personal growth. Um, you know, I was a bit of a sore loser when I was, I was a youngster, um, but that year, when you, know, when you lose that many games, you, you kind of have to learn to deal with it, and I used to lose a game and not want to talk to anyone for the next two or three days, when I, like, I used to care that much. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know I wasn't married back then, because I'd have been a bad husband, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I guess, um, you know, I had to learn some hard lessons that year, and it was, it was, I think God was shaping me a lot in that year. Yep. 
Um, in terms of leadership, I think we're, we're really lucky, and a lot of you youngsters that are gr- growing up in church, you know, I don't, think, I think you guys don't realise how blessed you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our club spends, you know, every year it's you know ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars on on leadership coaches that come in and try to you know teach our leadership group and our, and our core players, you know, t- uh, tips about leadership. But it's all things that you know I was learning as a twelve year old in church, like just <laughs> things, you know what I mean. It's just especially in your youth group and all that right. kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, I guess you got you got a huge head start, you know, growing up in church and, and, and really being in an environment where you're encouraged and people believe in you and awesome. um, you know, you have great leaders in your life that really help develop you as well. That's awesome. All right. What would what would be uh, a couple of your highest values for leadership as a person that you try to emulate that you'd like to carry? Yeah, um, I think the biggest one that's came through church culture, which only now, you know, the secular culture is trying to is trying to start to understand it is servant leadership. Right. I think, um, especially rugby league, but all Australian sports have always had that macho leadership where, you know, you're the big dog and then, you know, you talk down everyone else right. and you kind of put like the American old hazing style where you kind of tell people what to do and you treat the young guys like rubbish until yeah. they earn their stripes. Yeah. Um, that's kind of always been a bit the old school way. Whereas, you know, growing up <laughs> in churches, we always had the idea where, you know, leaders are there to serve as well. Um, and you know, and now you just look at you look at the guys like you know the All Blacks, and you look at you know Jonathan Thurston getting reps during the when he was cleaning up after the team. Right. Um, it, it says so much more, and it holds so much more power when you see your leaders that are actually serving and, and willing to sacrifice rather than just receive and just be the big dog. It's good. Um, so that's something. Like I said, it's, it's always been a genius. It's always been a thing that's never been big in secular culture, but now it's starting to become you know drip through. And I think in the future, it's going to be the main way to go. Awesome. Um, yes, yeah, so that's probably my biggest key for leadership, servant leadership, and as well, I think actions. You know, I think everyone can. It's so easy to talk and tell people what to do, um, but people, you know, don't really respect that if you're not willing to lead with your actions. So if they can see that you actually live it, um, a lot, people will be a lot more responsive. That's fantastic. I think the the All Blacks did that thing where the the, the coach made the team responsible to clean up the dressing room on roster. Yeah, not not just team, the, the leaders. So the, the leaders, leaders. In the group will clean up after every game to clean up the dressing room. Get in there. And, yeah. So not someone else, but the leaders will yeah, get in yeah. and do that to set the culture. And JT, of course, picking up his own tee to take yeah. it back and hand the yeah. ball. That's that's. So you've emulated that in your team, and you got a lot of young guys coming through. So yeah. what, what's your mindset as when a new player comes to the team? What do you look? What do you try and do? Yeah, well, I think the key that our coaches has finally learned. I think we always had that mentality of almost, almost like a you know a bad girlfriend or a bad boyfriend. Or, you know, we can change them kind of thing. <laughs> we always used to recruit people. We thought, oh, you know, they've got a bad history and they've been in trouble. But you know, we'll change them. And the problem is when you sign too many people like that, you kind of create a culture the where culture. that's that is the culture. Yeah. So I think the first key is you know our coaches had to learn to you know recruit people that don't only good on the field, but they also have good values and good character. Which is a big, you know, huge start. And then once you have the once you have the group, it's important that you kind of just, you know, you don't just focus on you know your two or three. Like you know, I spoke at the start of the year about how every week I'd write someone's name in my diary. Yep. And that week I'd always just make sure it's not. I'm not going too far out of my way, but I'm just making sure that everyone know like that he knows I'm asking and caring about him. Great. And it's only because it's so easy. Like we had a squad of 40 players. It's so easy to kind of go through my week being selfish. And as athletes, we are selfish. You know, it's all about. What do I have to eat? How much sleep do I get? You know, am I prepared? It's all about looking after myself and how can, how can I be my best? It's so easy to not care about everyone else. So right. I've got to be, it's just myself, but I've got to be direct and making sure that I know that there are other people there that need me. And I'm just going to make sure that every week I'm, I'm going out there and, you know, one or two blokes that know that, hey, you're all right, you're sweet, you need anything, I'm here. Um, and that's really helped me. 
That's fantastic. Well done. Inspiration. Great thoughts, hey, for leadership. Whether that's whether that's at school, whether that's in the workplace, yeah, yeah. whether that's in a sporting team, whether that's in a church environment, but essentially exactly. looking out for other people and making it about them, it's, it's awesome, mate. You, you know, you've won awards because of your character. And to me, that's the, the most outstanding thing. You've won NRL awards uh, for your character. For your, you've won Parramatta Civic Awards for community service. Uh, you've won uh, Parramatta Club Awards just because of the respect that people have for you, which is absolutely fantastic. So you're a credit, you're a credit both to your parents, your family, to, to the, the faith of Christianity, and uh, we're all very proud of what you do and represent, man. You. Thank you so much. Cheers. Hey, I want us to, I want us to talk a little bit. Around, you know, and last week I showed some footage uh, about your brother Johnny who yeah. passed away. Uh, is that now? Would that be four? 2013. Four 2013, years ago. about four years ago. I'm showing a little bit of footage from the footy show. I thought maybe we'd just watch about. 60 seconds from the yep. footy show to kind of set the scene for maybe if people aren't aware of what happened. So yep. let's just roll that and then we'll talk about that. There you go. Pat and the hedge and a wedgie too. I think we're wedgie, throwing, yeah. throwing here just, just for everybody. Yeah. Hey, when you see that, what, what do you think of? What comes to mind? Oh, yeah, good memory. I've been seeing that kind of footage for a long time now. Um, yeah, I think... I kind of struggle explaining how close I was with Johnny. Yeah. Um, you know, it was 18 months difference between us. It was 18 months younger. But, you know, we, it wasn't, you know, just brothers, but, you know, we were literally, you know, we did life together. So we, you know, we played yeah. before we did get to a young. We traveled together. We lived together. It was, it was literally like we did everything together. So, you know, it was, it wasn't just losing, you know, someone close to me. It was actually probably the closest person to me in my life at the time. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. And on that footy show interview, you you told a bit of the story of of, of both the tragedy of that, yeah. the the sacredness of the night he passed away and being there. So yeah. you were there when he passed away. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, I considered myself, you know, really lucky, and our family were pretty pretty blessed, you know. And you know, I've seen a lot of people go through you know tough times, especially with cancer. Mm -hmm. um, Johnny pretty much had this one day. It was terrible. So he'd been in, in hospital for a week or two. This one day was really terrible, and I remember thinking, I drove home that day thinking, I don't know how much longer I could take, you know, seeing him like that. It was just hard to see him suffer. And then that night, at two in the morning, I got a phone call, and, you know, before I even answered, I knew exactly what it was, and, you know, my mum said, you know, come to the hospital. And when I got there, um, you know, what I experienced for the next, you know, little bit was, you know, incredible in terms of, you know, being able to see, you know, God at work and the, the peace that Johnny had. And, you know, people would be crying. He'd be comforting them and saying, you know, it's okay. You know, I know where I'm going. You know, Jesus loves us and I can't wait to, to go. And, um, you know, the, you know that, those kind of things, that in itself kind of was enough for me to, to see how real God was, you know. Yeah. Um, I spoke to pastors and they talk about, you know, the difference between someone, a Christian on their deathbed and yes. someone who doesn't know where they're yes. going and how scary that can be. Yeah. So just to see the peace that he, you know, he, he passed with was something that I'll never forget. And, um you know, I'm, I'm really glad that we got to say goodbye. And you know, he even held off the morphine and everything until he got to see everyone. And wow. um, Yeah, it was, it was a special time. It's sacred, isn't it? When you, when you see someone, you realize that this is, this is not just they're gone and that's it. You, you know that's the, the shell, the body's there, but that their spirit has, has gone to be with, it's still there. It's still in existence. Exactly. And you can sense it, can't you? 100%. I think that's why we're so fortunate as Christians to have that hope, you know, that that joy and that we can actually celebrate it, not feel like it's um, 
you know, a goodbye. It is literally a see you later. Yeah. Wow. Which is, and the Bible talks about death, where's your sting because yeah, of that. So exactly. we are going to see yeah. you later. How have you journeyed through the, the roller coaster emotions? Obviously, you're, okay, you, you're confident that you're going to see him in heaven yeah. and there's a peace that that brings to your heart, but yeah. you're missing dramatically. How have, you roll, how have you gone through that? And just even for people who have faced grief at all different levels and come into Christmas, that's a tough time for some people. Give, it, give us some, your thoughts around that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is firstly don't deny it. Like it's it's okay to be sad. You know, it's yeah. you know you miss you miss them because you miss doing life with them, which is fine. Um, but for me personally, the, the biggest thing that the whole experience and the whole um, thing changed for me was just living my life with a bit more of a, a you know eternal mentality and a heaven mentality. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. um, you know as as humans, we kind of get caught up in thinking that you know this is eternal and heaven's this temporal, right. and we kind of get it mixed up. When in reality, you know, the Bible says, you know, our lives are like a vapor, like, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. So in, I'll, I'll, I'll put it down to like this. We've got a drill at training. It's, it's called the five-minute run test, which is, it's hell, but it's for five minutes. You go as hard as you can, and then you get your score. And I, I'll go okay at it, but the reason I go okay is because I think in my head, it's only five minutes. Like, no matter how hard it is, I'm going to be done in five minutes. And it's kind of like our life, you know, I think, Amazing. you know, if, if you live to be 100 years old, you know, you make it good, good innings, but um, if you live to be 100, the reality, 100 years here on earth is, is nothing compared to eternity. It's beautiful. Um, so what the whole Johnny experience has taught me is, you know, to kind of be aware of that. So, you know, I'm a lot more bold with my faith and I'm not, you know, I, I remember thinking that, you know, I'd be embarrassed to tell people, that, you know, teammates about my faith because, oh, what if they don't want to hear it? Or, and I remember thinking... I could be costing someone's eternity because I'm embarrassed or I'm too shy to talk about my faith. Um, whereas, you know, I'm only here for a certain amount of time. I know God's put me where I am for a certain reason. Um, I want to make sure I'm making the biggest impact to the people around me as I can. And, um, yeah, that's what I'm here for. Fantastic. I love those thoughts. I love those thoughts, mate. Uh, well, let, let's talk about your faith, okay, and, and Christianity in that realm. And we've, we kind of have nights like this or each year. We've had people like Jason Stevens, who's a bit of a forerunner for, for rugby league players with faith. We've had Nick Far Jones. We've had Sean Hart, AFL guys, Duncan Armstrong, the swim, swimmer. I love to showcase Christians who are successful in all areas of life and sport being one of those. But let, let, let's go back to it because there'll be people in this room and maybe you haven't been to church before and you're kind of coming along to hear the Parramatta Eels captain you've sung the songs you're like whoa this is not what I thought church was going to be as Danielle said you thought the roof might cave in it hasn't all good so far um and people have all different concepts of Christianity, right? So you've got, I, I had a friend who came and he said, oh, I was just expecting safari suits and comb-overs. That's what I was, I thought everyone would be in that sort of zone. I and, would do a comb-over quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then there's other people who have watched The Simpsons and they, Ned Flanders yeah, is, yeah. you know, the nerd, the, na- the neighbour nerd uh, from next door. Did anyone pray for shoes? And, you know, whatever, if you've seen those episodes. So you've kind of got that. And then you've, then sometimes the, there can be this portrayal of the, the sleazy, Christian who just is, wants your money and is, you know, kind of, uh, you know, a bit of a shyster on the side, so bad portrayal. Or the alternative is, I could be a monk and just live off on the side and live a perfect life, but stay away from everybody, otherwise you'll sin. Uh, to, you know, it's all of these kind of mentalities. So guys like you, I love, are creating a real, a different picture of what Christianity is like. Can tell, tell us just simply, what does it mean to be a Christian for you? Yeah, I think it's, for me, being Christian isn't just a part of my life. It, it is my life. So oh. it's not just something I do on a Sunday. I just go to church and tick a box. It's it's involved in every part of my life, whether I'm at training, at, at work, or whether I'm, you know, with my family, 
um, wherever I'm doing, you know, God's the center of that. Right. I think that's the biggest thing that for me as a Christian, I think, um, you know, I want my Sundays to affect my Mondays. And Beautiful. I think it's really important that we don't just get stuck in the trap where we're thinking, okay, well, you know, we're here on Sunday night, we've done our job, and then go back to Monday, and it's like nothing happened on Sunday. It's just we just go around our workmates again, and we just we blend in, and we, and we just, like nothing's happened. So for me, it's being aware and being direct about the fact that, okay, I'm a Christian, and it's not just going to involve my Sunday. Every part of my life, every time I go somewhere, every time I be somewhere, every time I speak to someone, I want them to know and see that there's something different about me. Um, and that, for me, that's the biggest part about being a Christian. And, you know, you spoke about the different stereotypes, I think it's so important that we have Christians in every sphere of life and every aspect exactly. of life standing up and being, you know, what God needs us to be, you know, and we need, we need, you know, Christians in, you know, in, in government, we need Christians in, in education systems, we need exactly. Christians in the entertainment industry, wherever we are, we need people standing up and not just thinking, okay, well, you know what, I'm not a professional athlete or, you know, I'm not, I'm not on TV or right. I'm not a big superstar, so I can't, you know, what am I going to do? That's, I think that's our biggest trap sometimes as Christians. We need every person, even if you're just exactly. at home looking after your child. Like, you know, yep. my wife needs to be as, as bold about her Christianity as I am. And, exactly. you know, together, I think that's what God wants us to be as, like, as an army, you know, moving the kingdom of God forward. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. So, have you grown up in a Christian family then? Is that your story? Tell us a bit of when, yeah, yeah. when you, because essentially Christianity is about having a relationship with God that's real and, and personal, that you've essentially submitted your life to live God's way, basically. Not yep. that you're be perfect because no one will be perfect but you've made a decision to say god forgive me for my stuff my past my the things that i've done wrong and we've been forgiven and that opens a door for a relationship with god so was there a moment for you give us a bit of your background in yeah i um i grew up in a christian home i grew up in pretty much cotton wool my I was a christian home went to a christian school went to church all the time so i wasn't really exposed to the real world before you know i started playing much footy um, but I got saved as a 13-year-old. Um, I still remember it was a Sunday school class and I was, they were talking about hell. I just remember thinking, I don't, don't want to go there. I don't want to go there, <laughs> what baby. I, what am I going to do to get uh-huh. out of it? <laughs> uh, that's, how, that's how I got saved. and I, did, I, I prayed the prayer there and asked Christ into my heart. Um, and to be honest, the truth is it wasn't a huge dramatic change in my life because you know, I, wasn't, you know, I wasn't too far along in life to have huge changes. Ah. But there's been a huge journey. And, and like you said, it's about that relationship with Jesus and, and that walk with God and um, you know, he, regardless of all the ups and downs I've had in my life, the one constant and the one thing that's been, always been there is, is Jesus through it all. So, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful and I'm still on the journey. Like you said, none yep. of us are perfect, but yep. um, I couldn't imagine life without him. Fantastic. And so re- for, for someone who doesn't have that relationship with God, what's, what's that like? What's it really like for you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we spoke before about that hope we have as Christians, you know, that mm-hmm. of knowing we're going to go when we die. I think that changes the whole way I live. Like, yep. you know, it's just so nice to know that we're living with that hope that we're, there's something there's something deep and it's it's more than just about us and about this life on earth. You know, we're we're part of a bigger cause, and that that just changes the whole way you live your life. Um, awesome. So I think you know anyone that doesn't have that, they're, they're missing out, and you can't really explain it that much. Yeah. I guess you can't really. Yeah. You know, it's not a tangible thing that you can say. Okay, this is what it's actually like. You've actually got to experience it, have that relationship with God, and then you know I, I guarantee you'll look back and think, how did I have, how, how to live without it? it? How did I go without it? Which is awesome. So because right around this room, we've got people who have, like you, like myself, grown up in church, yep. you know, and at some point, what was our parents' faith? Uh, we had to make our own faith, and so that became our own decision, and so there'll, there'll be. There'll, 
be someone here tonight who was just in that sort of example. Then you've got other people in this room who, who never stepped foot in the, in the door of a church. Um, their church was either their business or their church was their football career. I'm looking at a big fellow down there who's now one of our pastors who lo- loved his footy. He was on his way to England to play for a team over there and professional and everything like that. And Complete rat bag, if you looked at him from the outside. Sorry, mate. Um, but, but in that sense, and for many people who are like, I don't actually know whether God could forgive me of my stuff. Like, you know, I'm looking around the room and everyone looks like they've got it pretty together in here. And we're a lot of good actors around here, just to be, just to be clear, right? But so, so what if someone's here like, oh, if only you knew what I'd done, yeah. could God forgive me? Well, that's, you know, you look at Jesus' life and you look at all the people that Jesus touched and the lives he transformed. And I reckon a lot of them have a lot, their, their rap sheets were a lot worse than the guys in this room. You know? Exactly. Um, you, know, people, you know, you look at the, the criminal on the cross who, you know, was back in the Roman days, you know, they weren't crucified unless, you know, you did something really bad. And, and God told him, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise. And right. you look at you know, all the, you know, the tax collectors and the people that were doing really bad things back in the time, and they're all the people that Jesus warmed to the most and right. people that he wanted to reach and people that he wanted to do life with. Right. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, the, the biggest thing to get out of that is that no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how bad you are, God still craves that relationship with you and God still wants to have that walk with you. And, um, like I said, I think it's, it's a pleasing, it's a, it's a great feeling to know that, you know, the God, the creator of the whole earth, cares enough about these you know, little humans like us to, to want to change our lives and want to be part of our life. Fantastic. Absolutely love it. Hey, guys, have you enjoyed having Tim here with us tonight? So good. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. I'm, uh, in a-